everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. We've got four more days, and no, not until Christmas, but until you all win your fantasy championships. And let's get real, that's basically Christmas, isn't it? Today we've got Mike Teglier of Pro Football Focus on to help you prepare for those title games. We're going to be talking about Week 16 rankings, and of course you can always tweet me specific questions at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Hey Mike, thanks for coming on the show. No, no, thanks for having me. It's um, it's it's crazy that we're here at the end of the season. Um, you know, a lot of fantasy championships will be won this week. I know there's a couple that'll go next week, but um, this is this is the big week, and this is the one where I want to you know give the best advice possible. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, trying to do that today. So, Mike, I've got to say, I'm seeing all this talk about Tom Brady being the front runner for NFL MVP and Ezekiel Elliott is the top back. If I had a ballot, I don't think either of them would be top two at their position for me. How would you pick? <laughs> well, it's definitely not Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's even honestly, I don't think he's a top three running back in the game, let alone number one. Uh, David Johnson would be my pick if there was one running back. But uh, if I'm picking an MVP today, it's got to be a quarterback. And for me, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, uh, you talk a lot about Matt Ryan, and I understand why someone would want to vote for him. I understand why people would want to vote for Brady. But the way I see it is if Aaron Rodgers is not right, this team doesn't win any games like they're they don't have a chance at making the playoffs. And it's kind of been that way for a long time with Aaron Rodgers. And just this year, their defense has suffered more and more injuries to the point where it's like, it's a joke, you need an elite quarterback just to hang tight, like Rodgers is having one of his you know, one of his biggest seasons statistically wise um, this year. And the Packers are just barely inching their way into the playoffs. And it's only because of him. If you were to take him out and throw in a backup, this team is literally there. They may be a three win team. I definitely get the Aaron Rodgers thing for me. He's number two right behind Matt Ryan. I just look at Matt Ryan and besides Julio Jones, he really doesn't have anyone else to pass to. Aaron Rodgers has some pretty talented guys. Maybe they're talented because of Aaron Rodgers, but still over nine yards per attempt. That's only been done like six or seven times in NFL history, and it's what Matt Ryan is doing this year. The interceptions are low. I'm just so impressed with him. Who are those running backs ahead of Ezekiel Elliott for you, though? I would say that LaShawn McCoy is one of the running backs that I would say is better. Um, I'd also say that um, Le'Veon Bell, like those guys are the the reason that the reason that the Steelers seem to be like, uh, you know, in the playoffs every single year. And it's because of players like Le'Veon Bell, where Ben Roethlisberger is he's simply just a bad quarterback on the road. Like I'm not even it's not even exaggerating. I'm not saying he's he's just not as good. No, no, he's a bad quarterback on the road. And the reason that they've even remained, you know, a, a good, a decent team on the road is because of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is so versatile. They use him in so many different ways. But again, running backs are, you know, Adrian Peterson. We've seen it for a long time with him with the Vikings. You know, just because he's great didn't mean that the Vikings were going to be a great team. You know, the reason that the Patriots are great is because of Tom Brady. The reason that the, the Packers, you know, can be great is because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, so that's why for me. Wide receivers, running backs, they shouldn't really win the MVP, although I do understand the argument that, you know, they are the best at their position. And that's where it's like it's 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 a weird thing to talk about just because you don't want to leave out entire positions. But Ezekiel Elliott, the reason I wouldn't say him is because the offensive line is just so dominant. You know, it's one of the most dominant offensive lines we've ever seen in football. Um, and for a rookie to walk in and do what he's doing is impressive. Don't get me wrong, but Dak Prescott is just as impressive to what he's done for that team. Now I'm with you. I love LaShawn McCoy, but isn't this Buffalo Bills offensive line every bit as good as Dallas's offensive line? I mean, I know you guys rank offensive lines and all the players over there. It's a great thing that you guys do. I love it. 
But I'm curious, where does this Buffalo offensive line stand for you guys? What's crazy is that we have actually have Dallas down at number three uh, behind the Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Falcons. We have Buffalo is n- number nine, actually, in run blocking. So, you know, yeah. And a lot of that comes into the fact where they've had some starters on the offensive line miss some games. So it's like a cumulative ranking. So that could be a little skewed just because of the injuries that they've suffered on the offensive line. But then again, earlier in the season, the Cowboys had some of those similar injuries, too. Um, but I would say for me, the top two offensive lines in football for me are the Dallas Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders. And I think that's why you've seen Latavius Murray have a solid year as well. And he's pretty much mediocre, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. I don't think he's anything special. He's just finding himself. He's not better than Todd Gurley, is he? I don't think so. I think Todd Gurley. And, and you know, it's weird because coming into the into his career, you know, I remember the first time I sat down with Evan Silva from Roto World and we were having, you know, a few drinks, having something to eat. And uh, I, I, I said to him. I said, you know, is there a chance that people are overrating Todd Gurley a little bit? Because I just don't I don't know if I see what everybody else sees. He's like, no, man, you're 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 overthinking it. Like, Don't even like, no, he's he's the best prospect to come out since Adrian Peterson. And when he started taking the league, but he started taking the league by storm. I was like, OK, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe I did overthink it. And then as the year went on, we slowly saw him, you know, come back down to earth. And then this year, my concern with Todd Gurley and I talked about it on a podcast yesterday is that. I don't see his situation getting any better anytime soon. They've invested so much into Jared Goff. They almost need him to be uh, like, um, like fantastic. They don't have cap room. They've, they've extended, um, you know, Tavon Austin for number one wide receiver money. They've made so many bad decisions. They don't have picks because of what they traded for Goff. And for that, for that reason, I have my legit concerns about Todd Gurley, but I do think he's an above average NFL running back. I just think that people kind of overrated him coming out of college. It's crazy, right? Jared Goff is just not very good. I mean, I guess he has a chance to be uh, mediocre, right? No, no, that's the crazy thing is people said Goff coming out of college was supposed to be the pro-ready quarterback, the guy that could come in and run your offense, run an NFL offense, whereas, you know, Carson Wentz was the guy that was supposed to be the developmental guy where you you had to wait a couple years to see what he truly was going to be, almost like a like a Jay Cutler or something like that, where we we still don't know with Wentz. He's regressing, but I don't like to see quarterbacks start in their first year in the league. I'd prefer them to sit back and actually take the game in, but, you know, they were getting so much heat in L.A. that they kind of had to go with Goff, I guess, and um, they're seeing the nasty effects of that. And I just, I mean, I root for the best for the kid. Um, I, I do think that he can be a competent quarterback, but it doesn't look like he's going to be a superstar. So you've got those top three guys. And I got to say, I love what I'm seeing in Robert Kelly, Jay Ajayi, even Tevin Coleman. Do you think any of them can leap up to that category in the next year? Well, Tevin Coleman has Devonta Freeman in his way and Devonta Freeman is so good. Um, I've compared him to like a Ray Rice of today's uh, game. And um, with the way that they run, the way they're using the passing game, Devonta Freeman's just, he's so good. Um, Tevin Coleman, it's not to say he wouldn't be decent on another team, but when you're on the wrong side of a 60-40 timeshare, maybe even 70-30 some games, I, I tend to fade away from Tevin Coleman. But uh, Jay Ajayi, I'll tell you this, uh, Adam Gase is someone who I was upset when you know the Bears lost him to uh, Miami in the offseason because Adam Gase ran the best offense we've seen in Chicago in a long time. And uh, to see him, you know, as the season goes on, you saw Ryan Tannehill start to get more and more comfortable. You've seen Jay Ajayi emerge as that running back we all thought. Now, his knee issues, they do say that within three years he may be done playing football because of his knee issues that he has Um, but he definitely looks legit out there and this offensive line the reason 
he struggled lately is because they played some really, really, really good run defenses and he's missing two and sometimes three offensive linemen. And they're, they're not bad offensive linemen either. Al, Brandon Albert's really good. Uh, Laramie Tunsil has looked to be a great draft pick where they got him. Uh, Pouncey, the center, he's been missing time. So I do like Jay Ajayi. Uh, I would like to see him used more in the passing game. Um, Damian Williams has stolen some touchdowns, but yeah, Jay Ajayi is among the league's workhorses and uh, he's definitely someone I could see taking that leap next year. Now, Mike, moving over to the quarterback position, I'm looking at Phillip Rivers. Right now, he's in the top 10 for ECR, so almost every expert saying he's worth starting this week. But look, they said that last week against Oakland, which was a great matchup, and now he gets Cleveland this week. His number one wide receiver is what, Dontrell Inman? So even against Cleveland, I'm not so sure I want to start Phillip Rivers. What do you think? Yeah, I would definitely. Like, if you're down to a decision where you're trying to decide between Phillip Rivers and somebody else, that means you're looking at that borderline QB1 range. The only quarterback I may start over him is Dak Prescott. Um, uh, if you're in that range, but I do love Rivers, despite the fact that he's throwing a lot of interceptions, he is he has thrown at least um, two touchdowns in each of the last seven games. He's thrown three touchdowns in two of them. Um, you know, his wide receiving core is starting to get healthier. Travis Benjamin was hurting. Uh, you had Tyrell Williams, who may may still be ailing. You know, we've seen him struggle the last couple of weeks. Fortunately, Inman has stepped up. You know, Hunter Henry stepped up. Antonio Gates is still trying to get that touchdown record, which where we only have two games left here. So I don't I don't know if it's really going to happen, but this is probably the week they have to aim for because Cleveland's allowed some massive games to tight ends. Um, Cleveland, dating back to last year, they've allowed multiple touchdowns in 19 of their last 24 games. So, uh, yeah, I think think Philip Rivers is the one of the few options this week where you could lock him in for at least 250 and two um, with potential for more. Now, Kirk Cousins had a great matchup last week and didn't do very well. So a lot of people uh, who had him are in their fantasy championship game. But I've actually had a lot of people asking me, should I start him against Chicago this weekend? I'm not really sure. What do you think, Mike? It's a really fair question. And a lot of people will say, you know, well, Mike, it's recency bias. The reason you'd say not to start him. And here's the thing. Here's my dilemma with Kirk Cousins is that, yes, he had a bad game, but but that doesn't erase the fact that this would have been a tougher game in Chicago to begin with. So the Bears, obviously me being from Chicago, I'm a huge Bears fan, so I know the team pretty well. The Bears have played a lot better at home this year. The three wins that they do have have come at home um, on the road. They're allowing tons of points. Uh, I think it's uh, 27 points per game is what they're allowing on the road. Yes. Whereas at home, they're allowing just 19 points per game. And that it, that's got a trickle down effect into the quarterback. So on the road, quarterbacks average uh, just above 20 DraftKings points against them, whereas when the, when the Bears are at home, they allow just 11.5 points per game. Yes, yes. So the only quarterback who had a really good game was Marcus Mariota in week 12. Now, it's important to note that Mariota had a lot of rushing that game. And on top of that, Jarrell Freeman was out. That's when he was suspended. One of the, Bear, the, the Bears top linebacker. He's ranked number three by PFF. He got suspended. So Jarrell Freeman is coming back this week. It's his first week back from suspension. The Bears secondary has played better. It's going to be freezing cold because it's Chicago. Um, you know, we don't know if there's going to be wind involved. He doesn't have Jordan Reed. And one of the things that I actually came across in my research this week, and um, Kirk Cousins was actually in my one of my fades of the week this week, because with Jordan Reed, he's played 27 games. Without him, he's played 17. He averages a full yard less on, a, on his yards per attempt. He averages 60 yards per game less. With Reed, his touchdown to interception ratio is 1.8 to 0.7, whereas without Reed, it's 1.3 to 1.24. So it's a massive difference. And even if Jordan Reed plays, 
do we do we think that he's going to be okay? I mean, we saw him before he threw a punch that he's kind of walking around holding his shoulder. And I'm not playing him. No, no, I wouldn't be playing him either. And that's he only played 29 percent of the snaps. Yep. And that's what that's what concerns me. I mean, he got ejected for punching a guy with a helmet on is just the stupidest thing you could do in a football uniform. And uh, but, you know, he's facing a possible suspension, I guess he shouldn't be playing anyways. So for me, yeah, Cars- or Kirk Cousins is a just a borderline QB one. And I'm not feeling great if I'm playing him either. I'm definitely not either. Now, in this next range of quarterbacks, we've got all the running quarterbacks. You know, we've got Cam Newton against Atlanta, Jameis Winston. At New Orleans, Russell Wilson face Arizona, Dak Prescott face Detroit, Marcus Mariota at Jacksonville, even Colin Kaepernick at Los Angeles. Which of these quarterbacks do you like better than the rest? And which of them are you not really so comfortable with? I like Dak Prescott a lot. Um, I like a, a lot. I've actually moved him up in my rankings. I think I have him right by, right by Philip Rivers. I haven't decided which one I like more, but he's definitely in my top 10 quarterbacks this week. And, um, you know, some people are worried about Dak uh, and I don't I don't really get it. Um, because the two teams he really struggled against were the Giants twice. And by the way, everybody struggles against the Giants. They're the team that allows the second fewest points to quarterbacks. Uh, and then the other team he struggled against was Minnesota, by the way. Yeah, at Minnesota. And they're the team that allows the third fewest fantasy points. I know what Andrew Luck did last week, but that was also without Harrison Smith. They're, they're starting safety who is like, it's kind of like Earl. He's one of the best in the league. Yeah, him and Earl Thomas. Like people underestimate what they what those safeties mean to a defense because those cornerbacks what they do is they rely on those guys over the top. They had to, they develop a connection. And if there if there's any miscommunication, they can be beat over the top. So Dak Prescott going against the Lions, they they are at home. It's a primetime game. It, it, you know, they'll have plenty of rest for this game. The Lions have now lost two thirds of their starting cornerback trio over the last few weeks. Uh, Quandre Diggs wasn't playing great. Um, so that wasn't a, a huge loss, but it's still it's still a downgrade. And then Darius Slay pulled up with a, a hamstring uh, last week in the middle of the game, caused him to leave. He's having an MRI this week, which means he's not playing. Um, it really is because Darius Slay has ranked as a top 10 cornerback over each of the last two seasons by PFF. So for me, Dak Prescott, this matchup, Detroit has only allowed three rushing touchdowns all year. So this is this is a game for Prescott to shine. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. I've definitely got him in my top 10. I don't understand why ECR has him all the way down at 14. I expect that to creep up a little bit this week. Now, one player that I'm really intrigued by, and really it's only if you need a home run at the quarterback position. I know Tyrod Taylor hasn't been putting up big numbers. He's got three games of over 24 this season so far, but he goes up against Miami, and Miami gives up a lot of big plays. Now, Buffalo doesn't have great reception receivers, but they do have guys who make big plays, Sammy Watkins, Marquise Goodwin, and so maybe, just maybe this week, Tyrod Taylor goes nuts, and if you need to take a chance against a great team, uh, I think he might be a pretty good free agent pickup if he's still available in your league. Yeah, it is a little risky. And the reason I'm a little gun shy on Tyrod Taylor this week is just because it's basically a Bills team that's playing for nothing. And you have a Miami team that's playing for the life of the playoffs. Like they still have a legit shot to get into the playoffs. So they're so they're, they're it's it's a weird thing. But Tyrod Taylor is also playing for a contract because there was talk before last week that they were going to bench him, which is just stupid. It's the dumbest thing. It's idiotic. Like, honestly, he's a guy that, you know, the Bears fans are wondering if Matt Barkley is our future quarterback. And, you know, meanwhile, meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills are upset with Tyrod Taylor. He's not your problem. Like your defense is the problem. Like, that's crazy. He's a starting quarterback in this league. He gets 17 or 18 million on the free agent market. He really is. You have to worry about his his safety because, you know, those rushing quarterbacks that are not built like Cam Newton. You have to worry about, you know, them missing time because they may take some big hits. But he's managed to avoid them the last two years. Um, This matchup is great 
Um, the, the, the Dolphins have allowed 13 passing touchdowns the last six weeks. But as we know, with Tyrod Taylor, he's not a guy that throws a whole lot of touchdown passes. It's more like we want his rushing totals and things like that. Um, Buffalo is actually pretty good against the run. Or Miami's actually pretty good against the run. They do allow a lot to receiving back. So I could see McCoy actually catching a lot more passes than usual in this game. Um, like I said, my only concern there is just that Miami is going to grind this one out with Jay Ajayi and they limit the plays of the Bills. And we already know that Tyrod Taylor's volume is very limited to begin with. So that's my only concern there. Now, Mike, moving over to running back, we've got Doug Martin that I'm looking at. He's sitting right there at 22 for ECR. So startable in the flex, definitely startable in deeper leagues. But this matchup against the Saints is not that easy. And I know he's getting a lot of work, but he just doesn't seem that good to me. What do you think? Is he worth starting or is it too risky for you? He gets enough work, that's for sure. Um, now, I, I want to say the number is he hasn't averaged over 3.6 yards per carry in any single game this year. He's graded negatively by PFF. And honestly, we've seen so many different versions of Doug Martin. We've seen the rookie year version where it may have been a bit overrated due to three large games in the middle of uh, what was a decent season. Um, but if you take there was like three games span in there, which were, accounted for like 45 percent of his production. Um, and then you saw the bad Doug Martin is next year. Then you saw hurt Doug Martin. Last year, contract year, he steps up and he plays well. And now he's back to, you know, this team was playing better. And I, I hesitate to say this, but they were playing better with Jaquiz Rogers. Um, he was doing a lot more for the run game than Doug Martin's done. And did he have a decent game? Yeah, it's because he scored a touchdown the last time they played. So Doug Martin is the type of guy, if he doesn't score, he literally is going to kill your fantasy championship hopes. And I know a lot of people were trying to trade for Doug Martin because of these two New Orleans matchups. But ever since getting Sheldon Rankins back, they have been like a different defense coming into last week, which, by the way, like everybody's dominant, like David Johnson dominates everybody. Um, so before that game with Sheldon Rankins, their first round pick that they got back after injury with him, they, they'd only allowed three point one seven yards per carry, um, whereas before they got him, they were at, they allowed four point five yards per carry. So the defense has changed drastically with him in the lineup. Doug Martin, I, I have a feeling that Charles Sims, the healthier he gets, the more they're going to use him because D Doug Martin's just not getting the job done. And um, it was my concern uh, when they signed him in free agency. I said, Charles Sims seems like he's more than competent. I don't know why you're spending all this money on the running back position. You don't really have to. Uh, I know that the Raiders were trying to get Doug Martin, and I think that they lucked out um, by missing on him. Um, but people don't know the Saints. Like this is a stat I threw out on Twitter earlier in the week. The Saints, they have not allowed a running back to rush for more than 85 yards this season. No way. Are you kidding me? Nope. Nope. People um, actually wait. No one. There was one. I take it back. There was one. It was uh, that's what that, that's what my stat was. It was Devonta Freeman in week three. Outside of that, no running back over 85 yards. Wow. That is unbelievable. It is. Yep, it's the touchdowns that have killed him, and that's where you kind of have to, if you're starting Doug Martin, you're just hoping for a, a touchdown plunge, um, because if he doesn't do that, he's going to be useless. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Then we've got Kenneth Farrell for the San Diego Chargers, who everyone thought was going to be awesome in a great matchup last week, and then he was just horrible. Now, he gets a great matchup again this week against Cleveland, but, I mean, no one knows what to make of this dude. Some people have him at 12, one expert has him all the way down at 53. <laughs> Wow. I have him at number 20. Um, I didn't know if I was being generous or not. I have him right in that Jeremy Hill, Bill Al Powell range right now. And ECR has him at 24. So yeah, you're a little bit high in him, but not crazy. I think the reason I am a little bit 
probably higher than people is just because it's still the Browns. And I don't really believe in Ronnie Hillman. And I know some people may have Ronnie Hillman ranked toward like a lot higher than I do because I have Hillman down at 47. I may move him up a little bit, maybe move Farrow down a little bit as I kind of look at it a little closer. But I just don't believe in Ronnie Hillman. Kenneth Farrow the the issue that they that I have with him um ranking him this high I guess is he's not really a good pass blocker which means he may come off the field when you know they're in a passing situation but again it's the Browns. I don't think that they have to worry about throwing the ball too, too much this week. Um, so I, I just think that he's locked into at least 15 touches. Even if Ronnie Hillman gets 10, I think he's locked into 15. And if you get 15 touches against the Browns, you're, you're definitely worth at least a flex start. Now, oddly, Deion Lewis had 18 carries against Denver. I don't think anyone saw this coming. What do you think about him this week against the Jets? That was something crazy. Um, I don't I really don't know why LeGarrette Blunt wasn't getting carries. I know he was not very productive on the carries he did get, but the Patriots, what they do the best is they attack an opponent's weakness. You know, sometimes as a fan, you sit there and you watch and you're like, God, why are you guys not doing this? Like everybody knows this. Like everybody knows that, you know, the Bears struggle against this or the Lions struggle against this. You know, the area where Denver has struggled is against the run. So they exploited that last week. They just didn't do it with LeGarrette Blunt. They did it with Deion Lewis. Giving him that many carries tells me that he's healthy. And in a Jets matchup, the Jets are one of the top 10 run teams, like the run stopping teams. So you saw the last time they played, uh, LeGarrette Blunt didn't really do much in that game. This is a game where Tom Brady's going to go nuts. And um, you, you essentially want the passing options. So Deion Lewis, he's a risky flex. Um, he has upside. We know that because he's he's a rare case where somebody that's ranked outside the top 25 can score two touchdowns. He's one of those guys. So you de- there's a risk reward there built in for sure. And with the running back position, the way it is with guys in that flex spot, like Adrian Peterson, Justin Forsett, Kenneth Dixon, I would take my shot on, Ke- on Deion Lewis before those guys. You know, I even think I'd start him over Doug Martin and Thomas Rawls for Seattle. Well, I mean, I understand that Rawls has got a crazy, like an awful matchup against a really good run stopping team. And we saw Rawls this past week, like everybody. So that's one of the, the toughest things, you know, is when we analyze everything, we look at it and say, OK, everything here makes sense. Last week, the Rams, it made sense for Thomas Rawls, who destroyed Carolina for over 100 yards and two touchdowns to to do just perfectly fine against a Rams team that they were going to dominate throughout the game. Right. And it just so happens that the offensive line just decided they didn't want to block. He had uh, whatever he uh, 34 rushing yards and he had 34 yards after contact. Yes. The number that PFF came up with, it was 34 yards he had, but he had, it was, I think it was 42 yards after contact. His average on average, he was getting hit a half a yard behind the line of scrimmage. And that that's my concern. Atlanta or Arizona. The one thing that they have been doing pretty consistently good at all year is stopping the run. So Thomas Rawls for me is just a, a dicey flex option. Now, what about Ty Montgomery? He was exceptional last week. But this week, he gets that Minnesota defense. So last week, Ty Montgomery was probably my favorite play of the week. And I, I so with PFF, we do a waiver wire show every single week. And uh, I've been saying for a while, grab Ty Montgomery, hold on to him, because it's only a matter of the time before Mike McCarthy wakes up and realizes 
this guy actually fits our offense. He he can do what we want him to do. We run better with him in the offense. I didn't get why they weren't playing him. So the reason that I finally sold out and said I'm all in on Ty Montgomery this week is because James Starks was inactive. They, they're not going to trust Kristen Michael with a complete workload. So I was like, I'm all in, right? And if James Starks is somehow inactive again, I know that his concussion that he had was resulting from a car accident that he was in. But even before he before that, I want to say he played less than 10 snaps the prior two weeks. So for me, I'm in on Ty Montgomery. I know at Fantasy Pros, we have to rank him as a wide receiver. Um, I have him inside my top 20, which I'm probably pretty aggressive. But going against Minnesota, this is where you beat that team. Um, the perimeter cornerbacks of Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman have been so good this season. Like in 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 coverage they are allowing just basically five yards per target wow so no not, way like yeah it, it's it's a it's an insane number like basically saying if your wide receiver gets 10 targets which is a lot he's going to end up with 50 yards they've only allowed three touchdowns so i have my concerns for Devonte adams and jordy nelson this week but the area where they've really been struggling ever since their buy in week six um they've allowed close to 4.7 yards per carry. They've allowed six running back touchdowns during those nine games. Harrison Smith being out obviously changes things. He, he used to come up in the box a lot. So, you know, it's it's a good matchup, actually. Like, I went through and looked at it. So over their first six games, they didn't allow a running back to top 56 yards rushing. But since that time, uh, Jordan Howard, 153. Uh Theo Riddick, who doesn't carry the ball much, he had 70 yards in a game. Robert Kelly, 97, 103 to David Johnson, 86 to Zeke. Uh, and then you had 101 to Gore last week. I, I mean, yeah, so you see the totals and it's just like Green Bay. Like this is one of those things where as a fan, you sit back and you're like, OK, we know where you should exploit. Do you know this? And, you know, if it was the Patriots, I know they would. Um, Mike McCarthy, I have a little less faith in because if I had. I think he's a pretty good coach. I, the thing is, I question. So basically being from the NFC North with the Bears, I see a lot of Packers. And I admire what the Packers do. I admire Aaron Rodgers. I've, I've gone on record as saying that I do believe he is. He will go down as the best quarterback to ever play the game. Good for I, you. I think he, good, good for you I, for saying that. I totally agree. No, and I stuck with him. I took so much crap back. Um, it was early in the season when he was struggling. People are like, oh, yeah, that's a good call on your part. Tom Brady's the goat. And uh, now those guys are coming back to me and apologizing, saying, you know, like he was just going through a slump. And um, Ty Montgomery, um, you know, what, like I said, what they should be doing this week against Minnesota, if I knew that he was locked into the role he, he got last week, I would be ranking him as a top 10 wide receiver this week. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be scared to do it, but that, that's the, I have him down at 19 because there are concerns about James Starks coming back, you know, about Mike McCarthy, not actually using him in the way that he did last week. Like he broke the PFF elusive rating last week, like broke it off the charts. Like it was something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he's, he's super talented and, um, I'm curious to see where he gets drafted next year. That's a really interesting thought. I, I don't know. I don't know how high I'd take him, but I'd imagine he goes, what, sixth, seventh round? I would think so. Well, it really a lot of it comes down to what happens with Eddie Lacy because he's a free agent. Do they did they decide to bring back Eddie Lacy? I don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards right now because Mike McCarthy and him apparently, you know, they weren't on the same page and they were worried about his weight and stuff like that. And, you know, we may never see Eddie Lacy in a Packers uniform again. So if if Eddie Lacy is gone via free agency, I think Ty Montgomery vaults into the top five rounds, uh, maybe even top four, depending on what the Packers do in the draft. And because, you know, their offensive line has got gotten a lot better this year um they're not you know they're not dallas or anything like that but they're getting they're getting a lot better so um 
yeah, it's it's definitely something I'm, I'm going to be paying close attention to this offseason. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I would not bring Eddie Lacy back, pay him all that money when you've got a guy with 5.0 yards per carry so far this season. What's really crazy, though, is that we're talking about Ty Montgomery as a top 15 running back. A running back. That's just absolutely nuts. If you would have said that six months ago, I'd be cracking up. <laughs> it really is. You know, I've had um, Ty Montgomery stashed in a couple dynasty leagues. And, you know, when I talk to you about Aaron Rodgers and how I feel about him as a quarterback, what I've done in my dynasty leagues, I had stashed uh, Devontae Adams. I'd stashed Ty Montgomery because I always felt like once Jordy and Randall Cobb were done, I just want the next guy in line because it, it really doesn't matter. You saw James Jones, you know, uh, Jeff Janis was reliable in a couple games. Um, so, you know, Aaron Rodgers will make a wide receiver viable. So, you know, those are guys that you want to target. And, you know, if the if the Packers draft wide receivers, you know, even if they're behind all these guys in the depth chart, grab them because they may become fantasy relevant in a big way, you know, like Devontae Adams this year. Man, all these Bears fans listening have to hate you right now. I know they are. But the thing is, is I admire talent and um, I, that's it's. People tell me that I'm a Bears hater sometimes, but I'm really not. I'm just overcritical of my team, and um, they just haven't lived up to the expectations that I would set for my team. And you know what's crazy, Bobby, is that I'm having a son in the end of January, right? And my congratulations, wife, thanks, man, I appreciate that. Um, my wife asked me, she's like, "What are you excited to to teach him?" And um, I said, "One of the things is like fandom and just being a, a pure fan again, because me." Sometimes like, you know, where I'm at in life, I, I overanalyze things like I, I think about the Bears winning a game, you know, this season. And I think this is killing our draft stock, like stop winning games like I don't want them to win right now because I want a higher draft pick more than I want to win this week. I'm, I'm patient. I know what we have to do with the franchise, whereas, you know, when you're a kid. I grew up just rooting for my team. I didn't worry about that stuff. It was it was great when your team won on a Sunday. It was great when, you know, the Bulls or the Sox or whoever I was rooting for. It was great when they won. And that's the purity of being a fan. That's kind of what I miss. And I can't wait to kind of have that with my son. Oh, man, I don't even know how to follow that up. What am I what am I supposed to say now, Mike? <laughs> no, it, it's it's tough. But it's like one of those things that as soon as she asked me, I, I immediately knew I was like, man, I wish I can go back to that time where I just didn't overanalyze things. That's really cool, man. Now, Mike, moving over to wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, I've been getting a lot of questions about him. He's been really bad lately. He's dealing with an injury. Uh, and this week he goes up against the Packers, who have been a lot better lately. But it's the Packers, so he should have a great game, right? Well, we know that he dominated the Packers the last time he played them, and that was when they were healthier on defense. In that game, he had nine catches for 182 yards and a touchdown. Now, the thing is, is the offensive coordinator has changed since that time. Stephon Diggs isn't being used the way he used to. Um, he's using he's being used more out of the slot, which honestly, that's a way to attack the Packers. So I'm fine with that. My concern with Diggs is the fact that he's got another injury that popped up. You know, the media. The the Vikings staff sent out a memo to the media saying that he had a concussion and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, what, what happened? I thought it was another injury. And they, they sent out a correction now saying it's an, a hip injury. So now he's got a new injury. Basically, Stefan Diggs, when he's been off the injury report, he's been dominant this year. When he's on the injury report, he has been mediocre at best. So I do have my concerns. He's going to coming into this week. If we see him practice, you know, for me, he's becoming more and more of a dicey wide receiver three. We know he presents upside. So if you're decide if you're deciding between someone like Stefan Diggs and say like Malcolm Mitchell, I may go with Stefan Diggs. Um, but it it's getting into that territory where you really have to pay attention to his practice reports going forward. I'll tell you what, Mike, Stefan Diggs is really good. Mm -hmm. And where he's gonna be drafted, that value could win you a fantasy championship next year. 
Yes, 100%. And like he's going to go forgotten if he if he like finishes this year hurt like he's kind of going through right now. If the Vikings somehow struggle and I'm I'm guess I know it's a possibility that they don't make the playoffs if they continue to lose. Um so if if you know he doesn't shine in the playoffs, you know all those things if they call it, fall into place, people are going to forget a little bit about Stefan Diggs and the question becomes do the Vikings, are they going to go back to Teddy Bridgewater or is Sam Bradford going to win this job? Like, that's, I guess, the question you have to ask yourself as a Vikings fan. And for me right now, I don't know. Like, if you were asking me which one I'd prefer, I'd prefer to see Teddy. But at the same time, I think Sam Bradford has had a rough go since his since coming into the league because he's never had an offensive coordinator for more than two years. And it's the same. It's the same thing with Jay Cutler, where you these guys don't have consistency. And are they ever going to become who you thought they would be without any consistency in this league? No, you have to perfect an NFL offense. So um, Stefan Diggs, yes, he's definitely someone who's going to be um, probably under the radar next year if he if he has a down if he continues this downward trend to end the season. Someone who's going to have the opposite situation next year in drafts is Malcolm Mitchell. He's finishing the year strong. He's going to have a lot of hype. He only had one reception last week against Denver. How do you think he does this week against the New York Jets? I So it's obviously an issue when you're trying to figure out which wide receiver is going to get it from Tom Brady. It could be Chris Hogan. It could be Malcolm Mitchell. It might be, who knows, Martellus Bennett this week. But what I will say is that Tom Brady has dominated the Jets uh, over the last few times that they've played in Foxborough. Um, you know, when they played them earlier in the season, I had, I had said to be a little weary about Tom Brady and DFS because when he visits New York, he tends to struggle a little bit and he did, but I'm totally on the other side this week where I'm saying start Tom Brady, like wherever you can. The last uh, two times that he's played the jets at home last year, he totaled 355 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 2014, it was 261 yards, three touchdowns. This jets defense has not gotten any better. They've almost given up. Um, they've now allowed it's five tight end touchdowns over their last, uh, the last three games. So this could be a Martellus Bennett week. It could be Malcolm Mitchell. None of it would surprise me. Um, so he's in that high upside wide receiver three conversation. And then after Malcolm Mitchell, I'm staring at Kenny Britton ECR. And most people are saying he's startable at the flex position. And he's facing the San Francisco 49ers, who's the worst against the pass, worst against the run. They're just horrible all around. Uh, and it's really funny because they shut out the Rams in week one. So just imagine without week one, how bad they would look. But Kenny Britt. He's been reliable lately, and it's a great matchup. So is he startable? I'm still I I still don't know. I don't like Kenny Britt this week, really. So it's kind of that scenario where it was before right before uh, I think it was week 12, where me and JJ Zacharyson, we were having a conversation on Twitter and um, he brought up saying people need to forget about Colin Kaepernick's talent. And just look at his fantasy production and stardom. And I said that he's one player that I let my personal evaluations get in the way of feeling comfortable because I feel like he's going to have a game where you're just like he, he totally is terrible. And it just so happened that he was against the Bears that next week. And uh, I was like, he's going to have one of those games and we're going to say, oh, yeah, that's why you don't start Colin Kaepernick. And it's not Kenny Britt that I'm I'm saying this about. I'm saying this about his quarterback, where if Jared Goff starts, it might be like where if you start Britt and he throws up a, maybe two points and you're just like you you go, why did I trust a wide receiver with Jared Goff as his quarterback with how bad Goff has looked over the last few weeks? Um, that's my concern with him. Now, San Francisco, I mean, everybody has kind of overcome that. But if you look in two of the last three weeks, the quarterback, so Matt 
Matt Ryan, 23 attempts. Matt Barkley only threw 18 attempts against them. Granted, that was a snow game. But I think this is a game where L.A. tries to grind it out on the on, with the run. And I think it's one where they should succeed. So um, Kenny Britt is uh, he's definitely in the as a wide receiver three. But I think he's a lower upside wide receiver three in this matchup where they don't really need to throw a whole lot. Now, being a Bears fan, you're pretty close to this situation. What do you think about Cameron Meredith? He had a good week last week, obviously, um, but I'm not really so sure that I like him this week against the Redskins. Uh, I actually do. Um, I actually might put him over someone like uh, Kenny Britt. They're close in my rankings where the reason I like Cameron Meredith a little bit over the last two weeks, he's seen a ton of targets and a lot of those targets are coming from the slot. And, you know, if you know anything about the Redskins, basically you're looking at Josh Norman, probably shadowing Alshon Jeffrey. I don't, I don't think that the Redskins like from a, 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 a logical standpoint can say, you know what, Josh Norman, we're going to leave you at left corner and you'll see Alshon about 50% of the time. And the other time you'll see DeAndre Thompson you know no that doesn't make sense at all so for me I think it's Josh Norman on Alshon Jeffrey and we've seen the Washington defense they have allowed I think it's 13 passing touchdowns in their last six games I think that's the stat um, where Cameron Meredith would probably be the logical one I think this is another game where the Bears try and grind it out on the road with uh, with on the run with uh, Jordan Howard because he should be able to dominate Washington Uh, but Cameron Meredith definitely is interesting when you've seen the way that They've they've developed this kind of chemistry that they've had to because uh, it's obvious that Jay Cutler didn't throw to Cameron Meredith. Um, and then even once um, once Sparkley took over, he wasn't throwing to Meredith either until Marquise Wilson got hurt. And then Josh Bellamy kind of pulled up hurt a little bit. And then he was just like, OK, now I got to start throwing to Cameron Meredith. And it's really worked out. So I think he's earned the trust. So for me, Cameron Meredith is actually a pretty good wide receiver three this week. Now, looking at tight ends, I mean, it's ugly all over the place, but the top eight seem pretty much set in stone. Uh, that includes Cameron Bray, Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz, Jimmy Graham. You said you you kind of like Martellus Bennett, and I get that. What do you think about Antonio Gates in this narrative here? Um, would you start him, or are there better guys behind him that you like? You know what's crazy is I'm not even kidding. I'm looking at my rankings right now because I pulled them up just so I knew where I had the players, and um, I've ranked Antonio Gates over Jimmy Graham this week. Um, and... I'm actually in this flex league championship where it's like we're all the like Jake Seeley um, organizes it. He gets everybody together, all the guys in the industry, and he hosts these drafts. And I'm in the championship against Pat Thorman, and I have Jimmy Graham on my team. I really don't want to start him. I have CJ Fedorowicz. I'm debating it. <laughs> um, like, I really I, I, I don't like Jimmy Graham at all this week. You know, as you've seen Tyler Lockett kind of emerge you've seen Jimmy Graham's numbers start to decline and Russell Wilson himself has been in like very not, not Russell Wilson. I don't really know how else to explain it. He just looks very uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, a guy that's usually calm, collected, moves around smooth. They're playing against Arizona. This is an Arizona team that has not allowed a tight end more than 53 yards this year. Uh, they have allowed just one touchdown, and that just came to Deion Sims uh, the other week. Jimmy Graham played them uh, back. Uh, it was that Monday night game where it was a tie that six to six game. And Jimmy Graham had a season high 10 targets that game. He turned it in for five catches and 53 yards. So I'm not excited about Jimmy Graham. I think Antonio Gates, this is if the if the if they really want to get him the record, I think this is the week they do it. I think this is a week where Antonio Gates can catch two touchdowns. And um, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, they've showed, uh, I mean, Charles Clay last week, Tyler Eifert, two touchdowns before that. And if you go back earlier in the season, they allowed uh, Martellus Bennett, three touchdowns, Jordan Reed, two touchdowns. So this is the team. They should aim for it. He's only three away from breaking the record, two away from tying. 
Uh, Philip Rivers did say at the beginning of the season, that's a record they really do want to get him. And without Melvin Gordon, I, I think that's made, that's, I think that's who they go to in the red zone. And I've said that for the last week, the last two weeks, but I'm, this is the matchup to do it. So I love Antonio Gates this week. You know, I get it that Jimmy Graham has a really rough matchup. Arizona's probably the best against tight ends, and uh, he's had two straight bad weeks, including Los Angeles last week at home. But in his other home games this season, we're talking 14 points, 8 points, 22 points, 10 points, and 12 points in standard fantasy leagues. That's really good. So I've got to expect him, even against a great matchup, to have a pretty steady, reliable week. Yeah, I, I have to trust him to get in a decent game. That's that's the only thing I can hope. Um, but it, I mean, and on top of that, Arizona has gotten worse as a defense, especially in the past game where, you know, to start the season, they were holding seemingly every single team under 17 points. But as of late, Arizona, their their defense is just on the road. They're actually allowing twenty nine point seven points per game. So. That's what I'm holding my hat on. I'm hoping for for a touchdown. That's what I want out of Jimmy Graham. If he can score a touchdown and get me 40 yards, I am happy. Now, after these tight ends, there's another tier that I'm really not excited about. They're all kind of clumped together there. Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry, Ladarius Green, Jason Witten. Do you like any of these guys or do you dip even lower to maybe a Charles Clay for Buffalo, who was pretty good last week? I'd probably go Witten, the highest of them. I just think he's the safest bet. And like when you're going to the championship, the last thing you want is to get a one or a two point performance out of your tight end because that could just drown your team. Uh, Jason Witten against Detroit. Detroit allows it's the I think it's the third most fantasy points to tight ends on the season. Um, there have been I want to say it's nine tight ends to score 12 or more PPR points against them where it's just safety. You know, I mentioned the fact that Detroit is now suffering some losses at the cornerback position. They may be forced to drop linebackers back more in coverage, uh, safeties to come up. I don't know what they're going to do to combat that against the Cowboys, but Jason Witten is a very safe option. I think that he's somebody that you could rely on for five catches, 50 yards. Whereas Ebron, if you're looking for upside, I suppose, but the only worry that you have about Detroit, you worry about Matthew Stafford's hand because once he hurt it against the Bears, he didn't look the same. We know he struggled against the Giants, but it was still the Giants. Um, but the Cowboys, their opponents average just 61 plays per game. So I don't I think it's it's rough to rely on Eric Ebron. You know, you talked about Hunter Henry. If I believe in Antonio Gates, I have to put Hunter Henry on the back burners. Um, Fedorowicz, the, the concern with him is that Tom Savage, we don't know if that's his safety valve. We know it was for Brock Osweiler, but will he be trusted by Tom Savage? Now, Savage targeted Ryan Griffin an awful lot. So you think you would think that maybe it's a system that that, you know, navigates towards the tight end position. And that's that's good. So Fedorowicz, I, I probably have him over Ebron once I'm guaranteed that he's starting because I want to say I saw earlier that he cleared the concussion protocol. Um, but yeah, they're all in that dicey area where they're just outside the tight end one range. But the, but Fedorowicz is probably someone who's a little bit safer option than someone like Ebron. Now, moving over to defense special teams to close it out. I'm looking at the San Diego Chargers here in the top 10 in ECR, and I'm not so sure I see it. I mean, I know they get Cleveland. I know they force a lot of interceptions, but what do you think about them, Mike? Yeah, I like I like um, I do like their defense. Uh, any any defense going against RG3 or Blake Bortles, I'm going to try and start him if possible. Um, so, yes, I, I did a streaming piece for PFF and I wrote up about the Chargers. I do like them. Uh, another one of the teams that I liked a lot that some people are overlooking. So if they're available, it's probably rare that they are. But coming into this week, they were only 45 percent owned. And that's the Rams defense. There you go. The Rams. Yeah, the Rams going against San Francisco, like they're a defense that you should like. They're one of my top ones for the week. I looked at the the 49ers offensive line from their center 
their right guard and their right tackle. So their entire side of the right line, including the center, they rank in the bottom five or bottom 10 at their position. Whereas that's the side that Aaron Donald and William Hayes are going to line up on. And um, that's going to be massive. Like Colin Kaepernick is going to be running for his life. So I think this is a game where the Rams as a whole, as a franchise, they come back home. And after that embarrassing loss to Atlanta, the last time they were there with Jeff Fisher, that caused him to get fired. And um, so for me, I think this is a good homecoming for the Rams. And I think that they actually beat the 49ers this week. Um, So I like the Rams defense better than San Diego, but I do like San Diego's defense an awful lot, though. All right, Mike. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, it was a fun season having you on. Always fun to talk to you. And I'm glad we had you on for this fantasy championship week because you really know your stuff. I know you put a lot of work in. So thank you for coming on and good luck to you this week in the uh, in the Flex Play Championship. No, absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you having me on. I know I've been on a couple times this year and uh, it's been a blast and I, I look forward to next season. Absolutely, Mike. We'll be looking forward to chatting with you again. Thanks again for coming on and happy holidays to you and your families. And for those of you listening at home, happy holidays to you and your families as well, and good luck in your fantasy championships this weekend. We've got one more show coming for you this week. It's the DFS show for your Christmas weekend. So make sure to tune in for that one. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all.